hey, I'm going to make this connection into the uh, next podcast or, or this current podcast that I'm on now. And I, I know I took a little bit of a break. I said bye. However, I want to add in a, a real interesting topic that a lot of people are not really aware of. Um, but there's this wonderful book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. And essentially, it is an autobiography of a man who claims to have worked for the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, and um, USAID. These are various different financial institutions that loan money to various different groups, various different countries, and politicians in those countries who build infrastructure projects similar to a railroad or a, a, a seaport or a bridge or a toll road, things like that. And then how these banks don't actually care much about the asset they're funding, but about the asset itself. They do not want the interest payments involved in what those countries are paying back. They're more interested in what is being built and created in those countries and utilizing these loans or the, the, uh, the, the lack of payment on these loans as an excuse to acquire assets around the world. So let me clarify that. I would love to read to all of you the uh, description of the book of, of a summarized version, okay? Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins is a gripping autobiographical, yeah, autobiographical account that exposes the clandestine operations of economic hitmen. These individuals play significant roles in creating the world as we know it today. The book charts Perkins' own journey as an economic hitman for an international consulting firm. His job, as he describes it, was to cheat countries around the globe out of trillions of dollars by offering them enormous loans. These are loans they cannot pay back, by the way. These loans are issued under the guise of infrastructure development and economic growth, but their purpose is to tie the borrower in an endless cycle of debts they cannot pay, effectively turning them into subservient states. Perkins recounts discussions with government and financial sector leaders to highlight the dark alliance between Washington, Wall Street, and the intertwining cor uh, corruption. Uh, ultimately, his story leads readers to a new comprehension of important global events, including the rise and fall of presidents, wars, revolutions, and international financial meltdowns. He implicates himself, his superiors, and some of the world's most powerful organizations, such as the World Bank, the IMF, and the USAID, in these fraudulent activities. While Confessions of an Economic Hitman is quite revealing, its purpose is more than just an expose. It's a call to arms, encouraging each of us to create a more sustainable, equitable, and just world. So, allow me to break this down for all of you listening, and I do appreciate you who are tuning in. So, John Perkins is an economic hitman. His job 
is to go into countries and create false reports of economic data showing growth and expansion in those countries. He then gets politicians in these third world countries to agree to receive a loan from the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, or the United States Aid and Service of International Settlements in order for them to fund projects that are built very much and or very often are infrastructure projects like railroads and ports and highways and large companies and gold mines and coal mines and oil drills, things of that nature, in order for the banks to come back five to ten years later Watching as the economic growth that was depicted by someone like John Perkins, who is the economic hitman, not come to fruition. And then those countries can't afford to pay the loans on these projects that they built and have to give up those very projects, the oil drilling, the railroad, the port of entry for shipping, whatever it is, up to the banks who seize it as collateral on the loan that they provided. You see, because the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank and other massive international banks don't give a shit about the digital dollars that they typed up to loan to these various countries. They want the assets. They want the oil they want the coal. They want the gold mine. They want the diamond mine. They want these assets under their control. This is how banks utilize sharking. They loan the money, and then later on down the road, two, five, ten years later, they can't pay it up. So they collect those assets as collateral. If you understand this concept, it is very real, very true. And if you want to learn more, you should read the book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Then you understand why war happens. You understand why political revolution happens in countries you never saw coming. You understand when there's chaos that breaks out, that changes the world order, changes the way things are currently going whether it's nationally inside of a country or whether it's internationally on the world stage. Bankers are behind a lot of the fomenting chaos. They are behind the corruption and they are behind the destruction of political systems and governments around the world so they can seize assets that they believe rightfully belong to them because they funded the project. At the end of the day, because the currency like the U.S. dollar isn't backed by anything and the World Bank can determine how much they loan, they don't really give a shit about the interest. They control all those assets. There's nothing stopping them. And those central banks are the true matrix that we exist in. They own a lot of shit. And they run a lot of things. And they own real resources, not the fake fiat currency system that we live in. They don't care about that. They want the true resources of the world. So that's a little education for y'all. 
wanted to tune you in back into that and add this on the tail end of the podcast. So thanks for tuning in once again and uh, look forward to more recordings with you very soon. Peace. And welcome back, guys. So lots of news going on and lots of information to cover here. Uh, I know that a lot of people want to cover the Israeli-Palestine conflict and how the world is at war and all the various crazy stuff that's going on. We're going to get to that. I've already made some of my initial comments on the idea of warfare, the psychology of warfare, um, you know, the historical context that would bring about some kind of war in the uh, Israel-Middle Eastern area. So I want to touch on that later. However, I wanted to address with all of you something that occurred to me in this you know crazy world that we live in. I was going to one of my favorite places to eat, which is called Wild Pastures here in Boulder, Colorado. I mean, they cook everything in beef tallow. Uh, the, the, the meat is grass-fed. It's, it's just a solid place to eat. And so for me, I uh, put my – sorry, guys. Let me do not disturb here. Um, for me, definitely love eating there and enjoy that place quite often. And so I think that overall, as I would go in there, I've always looked forward to talking to the staff, talking to the people who work there, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's just a good vibe for me personally. And so <laughs> I go in there, do my thing, order. And this woman is sharing with my girlfriend and I, Casey, she shares this information about how Trump is really president and how the military is under control of the, of the country secretly. Um, and she goes on about how the banks are going to collapse, but there's going to be a new currency that's going to come out of it that's going to be a Trump-backed currency. Or it's, it, was, it sounded completely insane, okay? She even mentioned that John F. Kennedy is still alive and that sometimes he does interviews with a cowboy hat on, with it with it tilted over his, his eyes. You can't see his face. And then he does interviews randomly on these little YouTube rabbit hole channels that she listens to. And listen, I'm here taking this all in. But in the back of my mind, I'm recognizing that this woman is 100% a victim of pure psychological operation. This is a pure psychological operation. What we're witnessing is people who believe that everything is okay because the military's got it under control. Trump's president. They saw the presidential seal on his binder when he opened it. It's lunacy. And so I wanted to connect with that because a lot of people who would maybe even tune in or watch, connect with some of the things that I'm doing online and with my podcast, Matrix Breakers, you know, we would go over maybe some conspiracy theories and ideas of the world that maybe are uh, not prone to a lot of publicity. That's the stuff that we're talking about for sure. I'm all about it. However, you would think that someone like me would follow those types of rabbit holes often when in reality, that is not what I'm cut out to do. I see the purpose of why these fake psychological operations are developed. Essentially, they are made to carry people like this poor woman who I consider a victim 
into these rabbit holes of delusion, utilizing real events, real people, real conspiracies that are actually true, real secret knowledge that's actually true. But then they cook it in a stew of bullshit in order to invalidate the truth that actually is there. They fantasize this reality that does not exist. This reality that the military has everything under control. John F. Kennedy is somehow president. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is like apparently running for job. It's just, it's, it's like you can't get it just right. They use real events, real people to create this false dichotomy. So people who are victimized by it, they're thinking they're listening to these and people who are in decoding these various messages coming from QAnon. Now, QAnon, the, the actual poster on, on 4chan and 8chan, that blog posting QAnon is not as relevant today, okay? However, what it has promoted and created are other influencers in this space on Rumble and these kind of far-right corners talking about how they're following planes and they're they're following the various different things going on inside the military and they're believing that somehow everything's totally fine and to the extent that Biden is a complete robot or AI or some shit. This is too far. I am one for the rabbit hole. Trust me. I love talking about truth in history, real things that have really happened and realities that are portrayed to us that are false dichotomies just like the mainstream media talking about various things that's a false idea false reality they create that they they foment violence racism chaos we want to deconstruct the matrix at every level and it doesn't just mean that we're on the spectrum over here of what i would consider mainstream you know, talking points where it's just everything you believe is on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News, that that creates your reality, that that drives your motivation, that that influences what you know about the world. That's a non-player character. That's an NPC. Just follow along to get along. Yes, that's the Matrix. But the Matrix also is the virus software of you know, Mr. Smith, right, in the movies, where it's a rabbit hole that takes you down into this complete darkness of information where they're utilizing some real things mashed in to complete bullshit, bullshit theories that are not real. And for, uh, for some reason, it's a lot of boomers who are falling victim to this Oh, the, everything's fine. The military's under. Nothing's fine. Everything here that we're experiencing within this matrix that we live in, the, the fight of good versus evil, the spiritual war that we all exist in, it's a day-to-day -day operation to improve our personal lives, to improve the people around us, and to improve the world by collateral, Right? by creating positive changes within ourselves, by creating positive changes within our 
circle of influence. Not this like exporting of our influence into these false rabbit holes that tell us that everything's okay. That nothing that's really a real fight, like the political shit that's really going on, that's a real fight. Or that the, you know, your own personal responsibilities in your life is not a real fight, a real spiritual war. Or that we genuinely are under a spiritual and moral and ethical attack in this country. That's real. We have to recognize the dangers that are really happening that are being covered up by this matrix over here, the mainstream media, and then are being promoted as a good thing on the, the this side of the matrix, which is the spectrum of you know just falsehoods, utilizing this idea that everything's fine. So don't go sleep at the wheel. Don't chase rabbit holes realizing that you were wrong and then what, what it is, is, is it's a double whammy. One, it's taking you down a rabbit hole that's not real so that you can get there and realize it's not real. And then you disassociate from all conspiracies and you end up being, oh, I'm back in the mainstream. See, it drives people back in the mainstream because they don't want to be delusion. They don't want to have delusions of what they thought reality was. Okay, So there's that agenda. But there's also the general idea of discrediting everything that woman was saying at the Wild Pastures restaurant that I was at. Everything that these people who believe in QAnon are saying is discrediting real conspiracies, real truth, real chaos, the real matrix that we are trying to work to deconstruct to help people understand. It's discrediting all of that. It's discrediting all the real truth seekers who are out here trying to discern over information. That's the point of the QAnon concept. It's to discredit everything else that doesn't line up with that reality. Okay, It's taking you back either to the mainstream or it creates a black pill moment where you're just completely delusional and you completely lose it. And you think that everything's fake and you can't even trust yourself. It's a psychosis. It's a psychological operation. It's meant to defeat you psychologically. So I just wanted to cover that kind of up front because I found it to be kind of hilarious that I would even experience this whole thing. And to be real, you know, I feel like when it comes down to this kind of operation, we have to be real about the situation. We have to conduct ourselves in a manner that will make our families and our friends proud. Do not go down rabbit holes that are not serving you and not serving the people around you. Do not allow your circle of influence or your influence be tainted by lies and misconceptions and deception. That is not what, what I'm gonna be talking about on this podcast. We're gonna cover real facts, real data, real things that are traceable, trackable, readable, and understandable. That's what Matrix Breakers is all about. That's what this is really coming to a heed. To, for everyone to understand the world the way it really is. That's the purpose. So, moving on from that topic, let's get into it. Uh, look, Israel, Hamas, Palestine, who's right, who's wrong, black and white, gray area, what's really going on? Here's the reality. I stick in this gray area. I understand the United Nations comes up with a resolution. 
right? 1947, the state of Israel is created by a decree of this new governmental organization called the United Nations. It's not, Israel is then planted inside of what is Palestine. And then there's a war that breaks out a year or two later. And that war is won by Israel and its allies and then determines the outlook of more land grab opportunities for Israel to move into Palestine, to grow. To view this as like, oh, that's, you know, that's just all fair. That's all in, in tides of war, right? Because, I mean, again, Israel went to war to fight this war with Palestine and what we would consider Arab states, the surrounding Arab states back in the 40s. They, they won that war, and so to the winner goes the spoils. Just, just saying. I, I hate to put it that way and how simple that is, but that is the way I look at it and how history is unfolding. So to view all the changes in how Israel has grown in influence and power and intelligence and military power and strength, things like that have occurred over the last 50 years, it's fair to say, 70 years now. So with all that being said, you have a overpowered small, very small country that has essentially pushed aside what used to be Palestinian land and Palestinians themselves. And then you get this foment of violence, this creation of a political party called Hamas. And now a lot of people understand Hamas is like it was at first created as kind of a resolution for Palestinians to take back what was once theirs. And it seemed seemed okay at first. From what I understand, there's a lot of resolutions for people that have come to, they've actually been involved in various different peace treaty negotiations that were attempted but not really completed so hamas isn't like all bad but then when you really when you go look at their creed their actual creed in hamas is to destroy the land of israel like they're taking back what is once theirs again utilizing i think the second thing was utilizing every means necessary to do that and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but I'm not really. I mean, it's actually worse than what I just said. So to sit here and think, okay, well, Hamas isn't really, you know, oh, it doesn't represent all the Palestinians. Okay, but they are kind of a protector in a sense of the Palestinians in the way that they conduct themselves and the, the uh, unfortunate events that are occurring to them. So the way I look at that is they are going to view Hamas as defenders in their plight, as the ones that are carrying out offenses against a state of Israel and the Jewish people whom they deem spiritually unworthy, who they deem as the I'm looking for the word. They deem the Jewish people and the Israeli state as the superpower that is taking advantage of them, right? The the administers of evil would be the Israelis in the eyes of the Palestinians. So does kidnapping women and children and executing people and things of that nature justify the horrific acts of discrimination over decades of time with of the Palestinians from the Israelis and the Israeli government? 
Probably not. I don't know. I'm not here to be the judge on that. But what I'm telling you is that we're witnessing a overburdened boil over of a conflict that is 70 years old. This is why history is so important. Historical context allows people to see how things are truly unfolding. Whereas the mainstream media just wants you to have a very limited perspective on what's happening. They just want you to jump in on a black and white decision on events that just occurred immediately. And we have no historical context of what's been going on in the past that led up to that moment. That's the matrix. Matrix wants you delusionally attacking each other and dividing and conquering. That's the matrix. Your emotional response to this entire process is controlling who you are. And unfortunately, for a lot of people, whichever side they land on, that becomes their reputation. And your reputation is something that you can't take back. You know, attacking people for things that you cannot control based on information that you know little about is going to make a permanent stain on your reputation and how you conduct yourself in social circles and who you are and how you show up to friends and family. Just remember that. These are very important things to understand when breaking news occurs, when a black person kills a white person, when a white person kills a black person, when a Palestinian kills an Israeli, you know, when a Ukrainian kills a Russian, when a Russian kills a Ukrainian. All of these various different things are outrage. They're horrible. They're evil acts. However, we have to be able to view each act in a judicious way in a way that allows ourselves to conduct a true analysis, a, a creative proposition for an understanding of what's really going on. So I kind of want to mention this generally, which is war profiteering. I've mentioned this in the previous podcast, but I've got to say it again. There are large military industrial complex corporations that benefit from warfare. The Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, was just removed as Speaker of the House. He was making history in the United States. Very rare occasion for that to happen, correct? So when you follow that closely, you understand that the funding of the Ukrainian war went out the door with Kevin McCarthy, from, from what we understand right now. Now, they very easily could vote for funding. Again, I'm not saying it's completely out uh, off the table. But war profiteers, they looked at that as a real problem, okay? And they have to go find a new war to fund. They have to find a new war for their product, which is ammunition, artillery shells, um, energy, oil, weapons, missiles. All of these various things go into warfare. And so... What we understand is that the Israelis, they knew this attack was coming. Now, can you see it like as like a um, boy who cried wolf? Oh, we know that they might attack, but they don't, you know, did, did Israelis just question their, their brazenness in Hamas to actually attack the way that they did? What was Israeli, was Israel just questioning it? Were they doubting the, the the brazen, you know, energy that would even come from Hamas? I'm not really sure. But it's very clear that Israel did stand down to allow this to happen. And so you have to ask the broader question. 
What does Israel want to do with Iran? What is Israel's goal with Palestine and the Gaza Strip? Is this truly an excuse for them to go in there and completely control the Gaza Strip, which is something that they've probably been wanting, something they've been plotting for, for this amount of time? Is it that they want a war with Iran, who has been threatening them for now decades, threatening to destroy the entire state of Israel? I mean, Iran and Israel are like mortal enemies, okay? Israel and, and Palestinians have like a political conflict. Iran and Israel have mortal enemy energy, okay? They, they want to destroy each other's existence. Iran has spoken of obliterating Israel from the map, okay? Israel has spoken about destroying Iran and how Iran is this threat on, on a national stage, on an international stage to the world many, many times. And so we have a U.S. carrier group going in right now in the Mediterranean to be right there near Israel. Now, is that very wise? Is that very smart for what's going on? It's the largest group. It's, it's actually the largest aircraft carrier the United States has. Are they going to go in and bomb Hamas and all that? I very seriously doubt it. Will they conduct special operations with Israelis to try and recapture um, hostages? Things like that, possibly. Uh, but I think that the the carrier group that's there now in the Mediterranean is leaned more into Iran than it is with Hamas and with the Gaza Strip. Understand that the possibility of war with Iran has always been on the table. And you see a lot of war hawks in both the Republican and Democratic Party talk of Iran in a negative way like they want to go to war. And the reason why that is, is because Iran overthrew the Shah in 1979. The Shah was a U.S. government puppet at the time. And later, they used uh, the U.S. used Iraq to invade Iran and go to war with Iran because of what happened. And there was basically a, a, draw, a, a, a siege and then a draw between Iran and Iraq because they're always you know, fighting each other all the time. But what the U.S. did to influence that war is also leading to where we are today, which is Iran is broken away from the world order. They are no, they're not controlled by East or West, and they are sitting on perhaps, I think, the second largest oil reserves in the world. Iran has a lot of oil, and they conduct business with a lot of other countries. We're also witnessing Russia take sides between this, this conflict. And how does it match up with Ukraine? Well, it looks like Russia is going to pretty much finish off Ukraine and take control of the Donbass region and, and Crimea. So that is the uh, essentially it's a Russian victory. We can already claim it. Probably here we are about six months out from that actually getting complete, hopefully. Um, not that that's great that Russia is getting whatever. I'm not really siding with either one here. However, I'm saying that the war is probably going to come to an end given that there's no more money in it. And that the U.S. involvement is kind of less and less. If we don't have any money and we're not involved and we're not invested, then we're going to end up invested in this Israeli conflict. And a lot of Republicans and Democrats want to go to war with Iran because they are not in the control system of the world order the way that it is. 
So what we're witnessing is an entire war, an entire world order transforming before our eyes. Because as Israel gets more devastating to Hamas it's and Palestine and what we know of is the Gaza Strip, it's going to cause a lot of problems. A lot of people are going to start siding with one or the other. And this is going to be a major, major issue. So that's the that's the more or less some of the things that I wanted to address. And look, if Iran is involved in any kind of war, this will lead to a larger great war, like real World War III stuff. Because Iran has had Hezbollah, which is their version of their extremist groups, their terrorist groups, as they say, infiltrating America every single day since Joe Biden's been in office. Every single day, terrorism... Terrorist organizations, true enemies of the United States. I'm not conduct. I'm not in the whole Bush era terrorism war on terror. Not in that kind of mindset here. I'm, I'm genuinely talking about real enemies of the United States. People who would kill every single person that exists in the United States, no matter your color, no matter your ethnicity, no matter what food you like to eat, no matter where you fucking live. They will destroy you and kill you. That is their. That is their job. That is their purpose in life. We have people crossing that border every single day who want to kill and destroy America. Okay, so what we call that is some sleeper cells. People are here, they got cell phones, they got money from wherever they came from, and they are here waiting for the call to go and conduct terrorism, to go and destroy maybe possibly infrastructure. This is real problems. Now, is that really going to happen? Is that, I don't know, but the point is, is if it does happen, don't be caught by surprise. Recognize that there are real threats to this country. And yes, we are completely infiltrated. That border has been wide open for two and a half years. Everyone knows that. And so we have to recognize the threat that we really are facing. It is absolutely insane. So with that being said, you know, I, I feel like we have to conduct the best possible scenarios for what we're looking to do. Vote in the right people. Realize the real issues facing America today. They're different from 2020, right? They're not the COVID thing anymore. It's all very different. We're all transforming the way we're looking at the world. So that's what I wanted to chime in with you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Peace.